Welcome to We Got Goals, a podcast by asweatlife.com, on which we talk to high achievers about their goals. I'm Gina Anderson-Cohen. With me, I have Kristen Guile and Maggie Umberger. Hi, Gina. Hey, Gina. And today, Maggie, you conducted the interview with our goal getter, and you talked to Patty Spence. I did. I spoke with Patty Spence, who's the CEO and chairman of Zevia Soft Drinks, which it's a brand of um, soft drinks that they make soda, they make sparkling water and, and energy drinks, but it's all sweetened with stevia versus sugar. So there's no sugar in it and there's no calories, um, which was an interesting kind of thing for us to talk about as, as a fitness loving brand ourselves. But we ended up talking about some really interesting takes on goals uh, that he as a high achiever, as a CEO himself, I didn't expect to hear. So it was a really interesting and pleasant conversation. And Maggie, how would you describe his approach to goal setting or his viewpoint on goals in general? So Patty um, mentioned that he really, really liked setting goals, but he said that he liked setting non-binary ones, meaning he just liked the idea of setting a goal for himself in which he wanted to do more of something or less of something. And that gave him the freedom to work towards something that, that wasn't necessarily an end date in sight, but that he could feel success along the way with. And so I love that idea. I think that being really concrete and specific can be super helpful when you are setting a goal or when you say something out loud that you really want to achieve. But I do think that we kind of lose along the way those mini successes or the small accomplishments that ladder up to a bigger goal. And he even talked about when he when he speaks with younger entrepreneurs now that they're sitting eager in their chairs to do the next thing and be somewhere else and already think on, you know, the, the next thing they're going to try to accomplish. That's a great thing to do to create success for yourself. But he also is pretty keen on acknowledging that you're already successful, that you having that mindset, being where you are, you're doing good things, you are successful and acknowledge that. And I didn't get the sense that it was complacent at all. It was just understanding that there is success along the way that is just as valuable as the big end-all, be-all goal. So to hear him say that he really liked to set those non-binary goals was refreshing. And it also kind of gives you a place to continue to achieve within that that mindset that you've set for yourself so that you can always do more and you can always um, strive to be a little bit better and so that you're kind of competing with yourself for that. That sounds like it takes a lot of perspective to sort of think that way and to set goals that way. It honestly doesn't at all sound to me like someone with the background that Patty has, which is Harvard Business School and Harvard for undergrad. Maggie, Patty had an experience that gave him that perspective. Can you speak a little bit to that? We talked about an interesting thing that happened to him not so long ago um, that I was truly shocked by it, but also really surprised by the the things that he took away from the experience. And that was that he had a detached retina in June and, and he had two surgeries for it. Those surgeries really took him out of commission for eight weeks where he couldn't be outside in the light. He really couldn't work out. He couldn't write. He couldn't read the things that you use your eyes for. Um, he also just, when he had to be in such a, a dark space without the light, he was kind of isolated from his family, from his coworkers and his team. And he talks about that taking a toll on him in that he really realized how much he just missed being with other people and to get to spend the days with his team and his family. And not that having a detached retina is is a, a life-threatening thing per se, but he does kind of shift the conversation around goals to being something about, you know, 
we don't have forever on the earth and why aren't we doing the things that we really want to be doing? And, you know, if you have the experience of being shut off from the things you love, you want to go after the things you love even more once you can and once you can really appreciate them again. So just having that, that small experience had a huge profound effect on him in terms of having to be with himself, sit, meditate. It's really like the only thing he could do for eight weeks. But he continues to do that now, now that he can be back out in the world. He does it with his wife. His biggest goals is that he's home 100% of the time for dinner if he's in town. Like he was so clear about that. He was like, if I'm home, I'm there. And I don't know if that was always the case or if it was after this event, but just the the steadfastness of of that kind of conviction about something that he wants to do is really contagious. Makes you want to have that kind of passion about your goals too. Maggie, hearing you talk about Patty, it really sounds like his personality is as effervescent as the Zevia products that he is slinging. And I cannot wait to hear this interview with him. Here is Maggie with Patty. And goal getter, don't go anywhere. We've got more with real life goal getters just like you out there setting and achieving big, big goals. Yeah, I said I'll be on the road. I'll be back. I'm just reaching for a goal. So don't be upset. Thank you so much, Patty, for joining me on the We Got Goals podcast. Patty, you are the CEO, chairman of Zevia, a soft drink brand that creates energy drinks, sparkling waters, and soda that has zero calories and sweetened from stevia. And so I'm really, really interested in hearing how you became CEO of this company and how it plays into your passion and what your drive is in life. Because I know that you have this passion to cut down on the amount of sugar that we consume as a society. Uh, Has that always been a big passion for you? Well, first, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here today. And, uh, you know, my work at Zevia is really uh, the culmination of really 25 plus years of looking for better ways to feed myself and to put more pure things into my body. And uh, sugar awareness and sugar reduction really wasn't something I was on top of at the beginning. But 18 years ago, my wife and I actually kind of had an epiphany and we did a food journal for a week. And one of the things that I realized was despite the fact that I was eating natural and organic foods, I was getting 250 grams of sugar a day, all from stuff that I thought was healthy, like protein smoothies and energy bars and things like that. And so we went off a sugar cold turkey uh, almost 18 years ago, and I've been using stevia every day. So that really led to my work at Zevia. I saw this product on the shelf and I thought, I would drink this. This would bring me back to the soda category and the rest is history. And Zevia, it kind of does align itself with a soda, which is interesting because we, we as a society, I think have come to believe soda equals bad. And, and this brand particularly is kind of knocking that idea. Well, I think what, what's been so instrumental to our success is the fact that If you're going to do one thing and one thing only to be healthier, what's the very first thing you're going to do? You're not going to go run a marathon. You're not going to be a vegan and only drink water. You're going to say, you know what? Step one, get off a soda. And so we, for so many families around the country, we're the first step toward a healthier environment, healthier living. And that's what's so cool. And so we're kind of that initial entry point for someone entering a healthy lifestyle. And as such, we have a very broad appeal product line. It's fascinating, too, because and I've looked through all of the different recipes that Zevia has created and put out there for people to 
create delightful treats like ice cream floats using Zevia instead of soda um, and just the pervasiveness that a healthy beverage can have in our lives if, if we choose to make that conscious shift. It's really interesting. Um, well, exactly. So- you know, it, it just one statistic I have to throw out there. Half of the added sugar we consume is from beverages. So what I tell people is if you only swapped out sugary beverages for Zevia, you'd cut your sugar in half. And so, as you noted, it's such an easy way to become more healthy. Absolutely. Um, And if I'm not mistaken, you're also a triathlete. Is that correct? Yes. You know, I've done a lot of triathlons in my past, um, 40 or so triathlons. I've done 100 road races. But today, most of my athletic focus is really around martial arts uh, I practice Brazilian jiu-jitsu and Muay Thai kickboxing, uh, as well as Kundalini yoga. So, so that's kind of what I spend my time on these days. Um, so let's go. I'd like to go back a little bit and hear sort of your journey from you know before buying Zevia um, and how you kind of went from Harvard, where you went to school, and then working uh, at Kashi. And so you've been in the health world, but kind of getting more and more immersed in it until owning this company that that you're continually continuously growing now. Absolutely. Well, you know, one of the things that I know you talk a lot about is is goal setting and and how do you kind of get from A to B. And you know, I think my experience is a is a great example. You plot your course, but you just don't know where you're going to go, right? And so I'm a huge believer in setting big picture, long term goals but then kind of having some flexibility in terms of the short-term steps and goals that, that lead you to that long-term accomplishment or, or finish line. And so in my case, you know, what I knew was I knew I wanted to run a business. I knew I wanted to be in the natural foods industry. Um, didn't know much beyond that. And you know, like everyone, I'm a consumer. And so I eat foods and I drink and, uh, and so I have opinions, um, but I didn't have a lot of knowledge. And so you know, for me, it started my first job out of college or out of graduate school, excuse me, was with Kashi Cereal, uh, one of those early natural foods brands to cross over into the mainstream consciousness. And at Kashi, again, all I knew was I want to help uh, folks market natural and organic foods, and someday I want to own a business. But I didn't know much beyond that. And so the experience at Kashi was one of just constant discovery and learning and trial and error. And, you know, that's one of the things I tell people. Goal setting and accomplishment is never linear. It's a zigzag. It's lumpy. It's up and down. It's two steps forward, one step back. And so there were so many twists and turns along the way um, that led me to now. And as I noted, you know, going off of sugar was kind of the, the epiphany that I had in 2000 that said, gosh, this is a new way to live. This changed my life. How can I help others on that same path? So when you set a goal for nutrition, particularly, I think that there are so many examples of ups and downs because in your daily life, uh, you have so many opportunities and so many potential barriers to sticking with your goals, whatever your nutritional goal is. So I think what you what you're describing is this kind of setting a goal, but being able to roll with the punches, if, if whether it's a career goal or a nutritional goal or a fitness goal, it all kind of um, means the same thing, right? It all means that you have to roll with the punches, I guess is what I'm saying. Exactly. Exactly. And the other thing that I've found, um, Maggie, which is interesting is that uh, you want to set goals that are concrete and achievable and, and kind of milestones, but not exclusively that, right? For me, 
you know, if I come up with a list of goals and all 10 are, are very binary, I either made it or didn't, that's really tough. And so what I try to do is I have some goals that are very concrete, like uh, I want to, you know, run a half marathon this year. But then I have some that are more behavioral, spend more time with the kids, floss my teeth more. Well, what does more mean? It just means more, right? And mm -hmm. so that's not binary. That's not, oh my gosh, I failed already. It's, I'm, I just need to do it more. And so for me, that blend of kind of more uh, ephemeral or, or squishy goals, behaviors, and then very concrete binary ones is, is how I stay sane. If I only had black and white yes or no goals, that can be kind of um, demotivating if you don't achieve them. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. Oh, that resonates with me so much. And, and I'm so glad you say that because we do talk about how having a smart goal or something that is very specific and measurable and you know time bound, like those are incredibly important, but not every goal has to be like that. And I think when you say the word more, it's very freeing because you could, if you just say, I want to brush my teeth more during the day, and it's at least more than once at night, then you're succeeding in your goal. Well, that's exactly right. And I think one of the things, um, and I find this certainly as I get older, uh, the binary finish line type goals are, those are satisfying, but so many of the things that we try to do on a daily basis, are, there's no finish line, right? There's no finish line to being a good dad. Not like, okay, I did it. Now I don't have to do anything. Um, there's no finish line in terms of being healthy. And so it's all about continuous improvement and just saying, I'm going to be the best I can be. And, you know, the way in which in our family that is, is kind of really manifested itself is in, in what we call our sugar budget. So, you know, I'm hoping to live a lot longer. And so that means I've got, you know, maybe 40 more years of sugar reduction uh, goals to achieve. And, and there is no finish line. And so, we set a guideline in our household, which is 50 grams of total sugar per day. But that's a guideline. And you know what? Some days you're going to blow that number away and have way less. Some days you're going to go to a birthday party and, and completely miss that budget. Um, but if you think of it as an ongoing thing, not a finish line, and it's a behavior you're trying to modify, then it gets a lot easier because you're only measuring yourself against yourself. So for me, I say, gosh, I did great. Yesterday, I only had 35 grams of sugar. You know, tomorrow I might have an off day and I'll have 60, but you know what? The next day after that, I can get back right to where I was. And so the idea of long-term goals that really are more behavioral and, and competing against yourself, to me, that's, that increasingly becomes important as I get older. Incredibly cool. And I, and I'll, I'll also add that it speaks to me because we talk about food as an emotional thing. We do not make decisions on what to eat based on just solely that, like, this is the number of macros I need, therefore I will pick this out and eat it. It's an emotional experience and that's kind of the way it should be. It's fun to enjoy food. But when we try to put these number goals on the grams of things that you're going to eat every single day and then get beat up when that doesn't, when you don't achieve that, it can be really, really demotivating, just as you said. So I, I really, really love that idea of just, you know, working to the best of your ability every day and kind of being malleable with that feeling of success. Well, exactly. And it's also about, to me, um, going hard when you, when you have the energy and the ability and you feel good, right? And then not beating yourself up when you don't have that. And so one of the things that I try to do is some of my meals a day, uh, and, and maybe that's one meal a day, maybe that's two, it's not all my meals, 
Um, but some of them I try to treat as purely functional. In other words, I'm a machine. What's the fuel I need to put into my body to fuel it? End of story. And, and so, um, you know, that really works well from a nutritional standpoint, not so great from an enjoyment standpoint, right? But if I split my day up and I say, I'm going to have two functional meals and then I'm going to have really an enjoyable one, you know, that works well. So breakfast is functional for me. It's like a protein shake. Lunch tends to be pretty functional. And then dinner is where I'm with my wife and my awesome two daughters. And we have a lot of fun. And so I've indulged at dinner possibly. Uh, certainly it's more fun socially, but also I'm probably eating different things at dinner and, and a little bit less restrictive, but because I had those two really functional meals at the beginning of the day, I'm, I'm good. So I want to ask the, the main question that we ask on the, we got goals podcast. And that is what is one big goal Patty that you are really proud to say that you've accomplished and how did you get there? Well, you know, again, this is one with no finish line, so um, it would be tough for me to say that I've accomplished it, but I'm I'm feel like I'm doing well, and and that's prioritizing my family. And you know, I was thinking about this before our conversation, and one of the things that I found is when you're in an environment that supports a behavior, that's often pretty easy, right? You come to work, you're expected to work hard, okay. You go to the gym, you're expected to work hard, okay. What's the toughest accomplishment is the one where you're swimming against the tide. And I can tell you, and this is true of 99% of the workplaces in America, the corporate environment isn't saying prioritize your family over us, right? You're swimming against the tide to prioritize your family. And so being, you know, hopefully a, a, a good husband and a good dad, to me, is the thing I'm most proud of. Uh, I grew up in a family where my dad and his two brothers had 10 marriages between them. So as a kid, I said, I am never going to get married. I can't imagine what a stable two-parent family household is like. And yet here I am, 15 years in, uh, being married 15 years with two awesome daughters. And it's a daily struggle to prioritize my attention and time to them over the other demands on me, but it's the most satisfying thing I ever do. Congratulations. And I, I know that is not an easy task, even though it can be summed up in a few words of prioritizing family, but what are some tools that you've used and some tactics you've applied in order to, to be able to say that you are succeeding in this? Well, certainly one of them is, uh, is just a time management thing. I am, if I'm in town and I'm not, I'm not traveling on business, I am home for dinner 100% of the time. Um, so that's really important to me. And, and, you know, just that, rule in our household gives stability, right? My eight and six-year-old daughters know if it's dinner, 6.30 at night, dad's going to be here. Um, so that's phenomenal. The other thing that I've done kind of taking that a step further is I'm fortunate in that I get to drop my kids off from school and bring them home. So the result of that is I end up doing a bunch of work, you know, at 5.30 in the morning before everyone's awake or after people go to bed, but I'm bringing them home and I'm getting that time every day with them. And so creating the environment where, guess what, you're going to be present is, is important. Keeping the phone away when we're all together, that's really important. Another thing that I do to try to remain present is um, just being involved in my kids' lives, um, knowing what they're working on at school, knowing who their friends are, and, and asking those questions, and frankly, treating my family like their people I'm interacting with, you know, in, in the regular world, you, you read interviews with people sometimes and they say, Oh, I couldn't relate to my kids until they were 12 years old. I just don't understand that. 
right? Mm-hmm. My kids, as soon as they could talk, they were really fun and interesting. And so it's just being present. And I think so much of the time um, we allow ourselves to be distracted uh, under the guise of multitasking. And, you know, so much research has shown that's a lie. Multitasking is not more effective. Um, being focused is more effective. Easier said than done. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it. So did you did you have any experiences where you really had to learn that, where it was like, okay, I've multitasked and it didn't work, and so here I am? Well, you know, I think in general, adversity helps us become better, um, not just in terms of, of pushing us to kind of go outside of our, our own comfort zone, but also being empathetic. And so, you know, I'll share with you, I, I had an experience this summer that I never anticipated um, and, and miserable, and it changed my life. Um, I suffered on June 2nd, I suffered a detached retina out of nowhere. I've never had any visual issues. And this happened. Uh, and I went through two surgeries to repair a detached retina. And uh, the recovery process for that is no reading, writing, lying down, exercise, or travel for four weeks. I did that twice in a row. So I had eight weeks where I couldn't do anything. And in fact, I was light sensitive. And so I actually had to sit in the dark room um, for that period of time and really couldn't do much. And, you know, during that time, one of the things I realized was uh, how, how much I was missing and how much I missed the interaction with my family, with my coworkers, with friends, and just had a lot of time to kind of sit and reflect on that. And I'll tell you what, it made me so much more grateful for for everything, really, um, for the ability to, you know, to just be able to see, um, for the ability to go out and interact with people, to be able to take my kids to school. And so, you know, a lot of times I think when we're removed from the activities that we take for granted, suddenly we realize, wow, this really is a gift. And for me, you know, it's, it was a, a really tough June and July, but what an incredible experience in terms of now, you know, redoubling my efforts to be a good dad and a good husband and a good coworker here at the office. I cannot even imagine that. And were you training for anything? Were you doing anything, you know, incredibly physically active prior to getting a detached retina? Uh, it wasn't related, but yeah, I mean, you know, I do jujitsu and kickboxing regularly and I, I practice yoga. And so uh, for that eight weeks, yeah, I couldn't do a push up. Um, I couldn't do any kind of exercise. And boy, you want to talk about um, having a lot of energy that first time back in the gym. I just, you know, I had to slow myself down because it was like, wow, this is incredible. Um, But yeah, you know, just that feeling of when something's taken away, you realize how much you miss it and you realize how much you'll do to, to try and preserve that normal life once you're back. It's a good reminder. It's, it's, awful to have to go through anything that makes you remember those kinds of things. But, you know, what you say, the gratitude simply to be able to see, to be able to interact with people. It's so basic, but so important. Well, exactly. And it's about, you know, finding the things that that will get you through the day and and that you can appreciate. And, And I'll tell you what, during that eight weeks, I meditated more than I've ever meditated in my whole life. You know, uh, there wasn't much else I could do. And, and it was incredible. And, um, you know, it's, it's a joke to kind of say you're good or you're not good at meditation. But I, I know I got a lot better over those eight weeks. I, I can only imagine. And do you, do you think that you'll continue to meditate now? 
Absolutely. I mean, it's for me, you know, my wife and I, uh, we do a, a short breathing meditation in the morning, you know, only five or six minutes, but it's such a great way to get centered for the day and get focused and, and you know, set your intention and, and remember what's important. And what's important is not the traffic or the news flashing across your phone or the argument you had with somebody. What's important is, it, for me anyway, my family and, and being the best coworker I can to the, the folks in the office and, and, you know, just living my best every day. So... As you look to the future and the goals that continue to extend or new goals that you want to go after, what is something on your radar and how do you plan on getting there? Well, you know, as I said, there are there are concrete kind of goals and then there are more behavioral goals. So, you know, I have some very specific concrete ones. Um, you know, I'm continuing on my path in Brazilian jiu-jitsu to work toward eventually achieving a black belt. Um, that's a lifelong goal. Um, still ways to go, but uh, on the path. Um, Business-wise, you know, uh, we at Zevia firmly believe that this is a billion-dollar brand that, frankly, our grandchildren are going to say, can I have a Zevia, not a Coke? Um, we're on that path, and we're not going to achieve that tomorrow, but we're on that path. So creating a billion-dollar brand is another very concrete one. But, you know, again, when I when I look at the behavioral goals, it's continuing to be a better husband, being a better listener, uh, being a better dad to my kids, supporting them, um, you know, helping people in the, in my community. Uh, there are so many things. Yeah, frankly, you know, I want to learn Spanish. I joked to my wife uh, during the eight weeks. I was like, you know, I'm going to learn Spanish and Braille. Well, she laughed at me, and sure enough, I didn't learn anything. Um, but uh, <laughs> but you know what? I'm not giving up. I will learn Spanish at some point. Um, so so you know, there there are things like that. Um, and for me, it's just about setting as many goals and desires. And you know what? We don't know how long we're going to be on this earth. And, and so let's try and squeeze every drop of juice we can out of it uh, along the way. So I really, really like that you, you know, kind of paralleled goals with desires here, because in our society, I know that we get very hellbent on the the goals in the work world. And even if you're working in a job that you love very much, it becomes your life. It can easily become your life. It's pervasive. Technology is what it is. Uh, but I know I fall in the trap of sometimes thinking that if I set a goal that is completely unrelated to my job, then I'm being unproductive by doing it or something. It's like I am... I'd love to pick up guitar, but then that takes me away from an hour of every week where I could be doing something that would better me at my job. Um, and so I struggle with that. I don't know if others do or if maybe you have, but I'd love to hear your perspective on just setting the variety of goals that you say are more like desires. Well, exactly. And I think, you know, I do kind of categorize those things mentally. You know, I have uh, career and uh, and work goals. I have family goals. I have personal health goals and, and kind of, you know, mind body kind of goals. Um, but I agree. I think having, um, goals that you work toward that have nothing to do with your kind of day-to-day, -day, you know, career, whether that's school or a job are important. And so I'll give you a great example. My eight-year-old daughter, Layla is an avid reader. Okay. And one of the things in our household we love to do is at the beginning of the year, we just make new year's resolutions. All they are is goals, right? Um, so she made a goal at uh, at New Year's that she was going to read 50 books this year. And wow. yeah, I mean, you know, and, and it's a year, right? So she 
went out of the gate pretty hard, read a few books that first week. And I thought, okay, awesome. But you know, a year is a long time. Anyway, long story short, what's so cool about this is it's been this kind of accomplishment that has nothing to do with school. She's not taking the list or showing it to anyone. It's completely personal, but boy, what a sense of satisfaction. And so here we are end of August. I think she's 40 books through it. So we're only 10 books left. She's definitely going to accomplish it. And what an incredible accomplishment for her. Again, her teachers don't even know about this, but this is totally personal and, um, and has made her just grow as, a, as an individual so much. Um, so that's the kind of thing I just love. You know, it's like the floss your teeth goal. No one's going to know. No one's going to care. But you know what? You are really going to get a lot of satisfaction out of that. Incredible. What an awesome thing to instill at such a young age, too. Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, one of the things about goal setting, you know, and I know you know this, too, is you have the ones that you know you're going to do. And then you have the ones that are, you know, what they call in business, the, the hags, the big, hairy, ambitious goals that no way in hell. So uh, hers was read five books in a day. I wasn't going to say anything. And I was like, yeah, I don't think you're going to read five books in a day. But, um, you know, hasn't happened. But guess what? She's going to achieve the 50 book goal. So yeah, yeah. There you go. So if you were to, to look back on your journey, your business journey and your life journey um, to, you know, when you were, say, at Harvard or at any point along the way, you know, would you give yourself some advice looking back and being where you are now? Well, you know, um, <laughs> I would say coming from from an economically challenged household and, and, you know, fairly humble beginnings. One of the things that, that I was fortunate that I had an awareness of pretty early on was, wow, this is incredible. And, and I remember actually when I was at Harvard saying I made it, you know, I don't, I don't even care if I ever get a job, I've already made it. And I think that's something that people don't tell themselves enough. Um, you know, in my job now I've made it right. I literally get paid to serve people soda, at events. How awesome is that? Right? Yeah. It's the dream job. And and so I think we don't tell ourselves that enough. And and when I talk to young people, you know, so many times they're focused on the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And and they feel and there is this feeling which is completely created by your mind that if I don't do steps X Y and Z, I won't have succeeded. And I tell people, you know what? I'm sorry, you've already succeeded, right? Um, you know, I, uh, you're in, you're in a, a great college or you're a college grad or you're in a job. You've already made it, you know? You've got a roof over your head, you're driving a car and you've got a paycheck every week. That sounds pretty darn good to me. And so I think for people, that recognition that success isn't something that's out in the future. Success is actually within our grasp today. It's about taking control of our own lives and doing the things that we want to do versus trying to strive for something that other people tell us is important. That is amazing advice for everyone at, at all walks of life. So going forward, what are some big goals that you definitely want to tackle? Well, I think, you know, from a, from a behavioral standpoint or what I want to spend my life doing, it's helping people. And I think, you know, one of the things when you talk to people who have, who have had some success is success allows you to turn away from yourself and to other people. You know, I'm very happy with what I have. I don't need more. What I want to do now is spend my energy helping other people, helping people get off of sugar, helping people set their goals, helping people start in jujitsu. I trained with a guy today. It was his first class. Wow. How fun is that? I was able to help a guy his very first day of jujitsu. And that was the most satisfying thing I did today. 
was incredible. And so helping people achieve their goals is is what's most exciting to me now. And if you if you could tell anybody one thing right now to get off sugar, what's the first thing you would tell them? Don't drink any beverages that contain sugar. You know, somebody said to me a while ago, no beverage should have calories unless it's delivering protein or alcohol. And that sounded totally crazy and extreme, but then I started going through it and I was like, you know what? Yeah, it's true. I, I love drinking milk, but it has a lot of protein. Um, you know, I, I drink protein smoothies, but you know, I don't drink any fruit juice. I don't drink sugary beverages. And so the easiest way to get off sugar, stop drinking liquid sugar, eat your sugar. You can eat six donuts, right? That's really filling. That's got the same amount of sugar as uh, a 12 ounce glass of orange juice. Oh my God. Right? So it's really easy to drink a lot of sugar. It's tough to eat a lot of sugar. Super smart. (laughs) That's incredible. I can't believe there's that much sugar in orange juice. Well, and I think, you know, that's one of the things that, that we often don't realize is that sugar affects our body pretty similarly, whether it's honey, high fructose corn syrup. Uh, fructose, etc. And so the natural sugars, as they're called, they're still sugar, they still contribute calories, and, and they contribute to diabetes and obesity. So you stop drinking your sugar, that's the first step toward uh, a reduced sugar lifestyle. And for folks who want to learn more, you can go to our website, Zevia, Z-E-V-I-A.com. Thank you so much for joining us on the We Got Goals podcast, Patty. It was an honor having you. Thank you so much. I had a great time. Yeah, I said I'll be on a Hey, goal getters, Cindy Kuzma here, letting you know that we are about to play a goal from one of you, our listeners. If you'd like to be featured on this podcast, send us an audio memo of a goal you're going after, a goal you've crushed, or your best goal getting tip to me at Cindy at a sweatlife.com. Now, here is one of your goals. Yeah, I said I'll be on the road, I'll be back. I'm just reaching for a goal. Sure, I'm Tani. I'm from Chicago. I live in Lincoln Park. Well, I just received my RRCA run coaching certification, and I really want to get into coaching virtual runners. I want to work with couch to 5Kers, so I am planning on just doing a lot of word of mouth, trying to get people to come work with me. I was a couch to 5Ker, and I want to get people into running and into fitness and discover a new love. Uh, Right now, I am working on updating my website, which is trainertawny.com. I also have an Instagram, which is trainertawny. And I am working with a few apps. I'm right on the sweat working app right now. And I have a a race day visualization. So you can find me there, find out what I'm about right on there. This podcast is a sweatlife.com production. And it's another thing that's better with friends. So please share it with yours. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you could leave us a rating or a review while you're there, we would be so grateful. Special thanks to Jay Mono for our theme music, to our guests this week, Patty Spence, to Kathy Lai for editing, to Tech Nexus for the recording studio, and to you, our listeners.